Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I thought I was going to do one show today, and then I started telling one story. Then people said, tell another, and they said, tell another. People are emailing me. People are tweeting me and texting me saying, man, you should write a book about some of these stories. And I said, I can't because I can't tell all my stories or I would be blackballed from this industry. But there is someone who is a longtime KFI listener, longtime friend of mine, and I will use his real name. He may not use the real name of some of the people in those in these mutual stories that we have, but his name is Larry Pitkin. He is, um, he is a longtime, I'll say, entertainment bodyguard former Marine, former law enforcement. Did I get that right, LP? You sure did, my man. Okay. Many years ago, we worked together at Virgin Records, and I was working in promotions, and you were working security. Why did Virgin Records slash New Tribe rap a lot? Why did, why did we have armed security every single day? Well, actually, it started with um... – <clears throat> I won't get into details of the so it, but it started with a group that did a, a tour uh, overseas, and the promoters, they're the ones that got paid, and somehow uh, people that thought they should have got paid thought we were the ones that, that got paid, meaning the label, and, uh, well, that wasn't true. So, you know, we had some serious uh, death threats at the label, and before I came on board, they came in there and started flexing, and so uh, that's why... That's why I got on board. But, we had all those off-duty cops all the time. Right, but there was a legitimate threat of violence at the label every single day. You think that was a fair fair oh, statement? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say that. And even 
uh, artist management or art, artist Klingon people, you know, they had, um, they'd come up threatening, you know, empty threats, but still you never knew what they were going to do. So, I was, yeah, it was uh, definitely a threat every day. Yeah, I was telling the story, and it's slipped out of my mouth, so I'm not going to take it back now, but I was telling the story <laughs> how uh, I was talking to Scarface, and, and I pissed him off, uh-huh. and, he, and, he, and he threatened my life. And I said, for me, it's like, that's Tuesday at <laughs> our job. Do you remember well, when we were working? I became really good friends, actually. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. You know, but, but that's a whole other story. But do you remember the time in which we had the IT person who got fired? Oh, yes, we did. You you, you know did. which story I'm getting ready to tell. The, the, I sure do. Yes. The IT person got fired from Virgin Records one day, and I remember his name, but I'm not going to say it, obviously. And <laughs> the moment that he got fired, he said, "I'm going." Said something to the effect of, "I'm going to get a gun and come back and shoot up the place." Said yeah, that. Yeah. And this was late '90s before. We had Columbine or anything like that. So the idea of a workplace shooting was more relegated to just a post office. But I remember after he said that, they cleared out the whole the whole building, and everybody was running out of there. What is your rep- memory of that day? The, the, um, my recollection is that he had been a security guard, and he had um, – an armored car driver, and he got involved in something that was crazy, which I won't get into details with, but he got retrained to be an IT person. So when he came on board the Virgin, him and I kind of hit it off, and he started talking about weapons and all the weapons that he had. And he had a pretty vast knowledge of weapons, being a civilian. <clears throat> so I kind of had some you know, respect for his knowledge. So when he said something like, hey, I'm coming back, you know, he took it very seriously. You know, I told um, the right people at Virgin and advised them of what I knew of this guy. And, yeah, it turned it to, to being a serious threat or something we had to take serious. And, um, you know, it's, that's a threat from just an employee. Right. That was an employee. (laughs) (laughs) That's how crazy crazy it was (laughs) in the business back then. And I was trying to convey to KFI listeners that the music business has changed so much, but it was so what I call footloose and fancy free. The stuff that we were doing, the craziness, the wild things which were going on in the office. I was telling them about hanging out with Red Man and the Loonies and and performing <laughs> with them. And that was not odd in any way as an employee. No. The stuff and I was telling the stories about how we were having fun with the expenses, how record labels were paying for this, that, and the other, the bunny ranch for radio programmers. That was how it was done everywhere. It wasn't sure. just yeah. where we are, but that's how and, and the reason I got here, I didn't say it explicitly. The news broke, and our news person, Brian Bruman, has talked about how Tory Lanez was found guilty of shooting um, Megan Thee Stallion, um, I don't know, I guess, accidentally, yeah. whatever. But gunplay, during that time when we were in the industry, and you're still in it to a certain degree, I won't get into that. But when we were in it, because of the East Coast, West Coast hip-hop rivalry, the threat of gun violence was ever-present every single day. And, you know, we had, I think our, our biggest threat was um, guys from L.A. wanting to know why they couldn't get signed to an L.A. label. And we were, you know, messing with uh, uh, NorCal, Bay Area, East right. Oakland, Cats. O-Town was what, what was feeding the tribe and not – so that was, that was a totally separate threat. And you know just as well as I do that uh, 
record deals were made just to cool people down when there was really no record to be it, made. Right. It was a payoff. It was a payoff right. to go away. Basically, it was. And, you know, every time we'd be out and about and doing our thing, uh, you know, we'd be doing whatever venue where we were here in L.A., we always had to be, you know, keep our head on a swivel, you know. And, and you know also, it's very rare that I would ever go by myself. Right. I'd always have a partner or somebody that would go uh, with us um, because it was just, it was a wild, it was a wild, wild west, as they say back then, you now- know. Explain your explain. I should say describe yourself before we go to break, because people may not know you are a physically imposing individual. Well, thank you. But that's not so true now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, give us give us your 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 statistics and your your, you know, your stats real quick. Well, back then, I I still uh, I'm six, three and I weighed back then. I weighed about 280 Um, and I was just comfortable being around, you know, the urban element. You know, in other words, you're not a brother. <laughs> no, I am. A, I am a, a cracker, as you would say. Yeah. <laughs> you said that. I didn't say that. Yeah, no, I, you, you said know, that. <laughs> that's what I hey, instead of using the N word like, you know, everybody does. I use I use crackers. So, you know. <laughs> LP, can you hang around for one more segment so we can get all sure, these stories out? I appreciate it. My friend Larry my Pitkin, favorite. my friend for more than 30 years. We was, used to work in the music industry together. We're just telling some stories because you asked for us to tell more music stories. So that's what we're going to do. KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm speaking with Larry Pitkin, a longtime friend, former colleague. When I worked in the music industry, we're telling some of the stories of the the ridiculousness that we experienced on a daily basis. And it's kind of a, an adjunct running adjacent to the news of Tory Lanez being found guilty of shooting rapper Megan the Stallion. And people were asking me to tell me, tell more of my stories. And I said, well, this is an opportunity to do it. And LP, as we call him, he's former Marine. He does a lot of work with American Legion post 43 in Hollywood. Your son's a Marine. I mean, you have a, a wealth of experiences, former law enforcement. And, but, but we connected when we were both working at Virgin records and I had someone tweet me talking asked me to talk about some of the artists that we had worked with. And I think the best time that I had in my music industry days was when I was working at Virgin Records and we were working the Velvet Rope Tour with Janet Jackson. Oh, yeah. What are your memories of that time? Uh, well, I don't really have a lot of memories of the Velvet Rope Tour, so to speak, um, because the, they didn't really need me on that tour. There was not a lot of threats, but... Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I'd come to work and have to say, look at where I'm at. You know, this, I'm just some regular old guy off the street and here I am, major record label. And who knows who you're going to run into any right. day at the label, you know, it's, um, uh, I will tell you a quick story. When my son born, was born, who was in the, the Marine Corps, when he was born, uh, you know, people thought my wife was a celebrity at the hospital because she was getting all these flowers and stuff from, you know, our A-list talent. Of course, you know, it wasn't necessarily from them, you know, their their assistants said, hey, can we send our security guy these flowers and whatever. So that was the kind of treatment that we got, and that was the exposure that we got. And we never knew who you were going to be with whenever or who was, who was going to need me to go on a road with them or do whatever they needed to do. So it was, um, it was quite a, a ride back then. I know you've had some incidents where you had some scrapes and some situations <laughs> over the years. What? 
do you think that you're allowed to tell was one of the most complicated or dangerous ones that you got in? Uh, <laughs> you got me off guard on this one. That man. you're allowed to tell, I know. Uh, well, I mean, I think I'm allowed to tell any one of them. Uh, well, I mean, they tried to kill my partner. I won't say who, but they tried to kill my partner when we were in Miami for How Can I Be Down? And um, Wait, just so know, people Mr. know, that, that's a music industry convention, so, so people know. Go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, myself and my partner are like the only white guys all in Miami that, that weekend. Um, but fortunately, I had a pretty decent reputation. People knew who I was. They knew I was a stand-up guy. I mean, I wasn't, you know, uh, I didn't disrespect folks or anything. But on this particular night, you know, we left um, uh, a showcase, and it was me and uh, Mr. B. And um, Mr. B, he always had this like sixth sense, like, hey, something's going to go crazy. Something's going to go crazy. And so I'd send my partner to go get the car and pull it up. And Mr. B's like, hey, no, we need to, we need to go with him. So we were just maybe a few feet behind him, and my partner's going to go out on the street to get into the car. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes this huge white 15-passenger van tries to run him over. And so luckily my partner got out of the way, and I ran up and saw who it was, and I knew them, and they knew me, and um, I was surprised that that person would try to kill my partner. And I was like, "Hey, look, you know, like what's going on?" Well, they weren't kind words back and forth, and um, I just said, "Look, you guys get out. You got to get out of town because I'm calling the police, and I'm filing a report, you know, threat on a, a police officer." And of course, I wouldn't do that because I knew where my bread was buttered. But still, they didn't know. So right. that was a, that was a very you know sketchy weekend, and. You never knew who was going to turn coat on you. You never, never knew. Uh, we'd be in, one time we were in Oakland, and there was all these threats, and you know we were kind of taking them serious. And um, uh, you know, I wanted us to all be bulletproof, vested up. And Mr. B was again said, "Hey, man, you can't. We can't roll like that. You can't roll like that because then we'll look soft." So then, you know, here I am feeling naked out there <laughs> doing my thing. And fortunately, by that time, I think we had a pretty decent reputation. Um, and uh, so what they did was they shot up our van at night when no one was in it. So that shows you the level of people we were dealing with. So um, after saying that, I hope I'm not to walk around L.A. with my head on a stool. So I'm going to come down here and peel my cap or something. But, you know. <laughs> Look, it, but see, that was a daily occurrence. We laugh about it now. And actually, we laughed about it then. But the danger yeah. was real. I mean, just for employees. We would go out sure, on tour sure. with the artists and... If you were seen with the artist, you were assumed to be with the artist and whatever baggage he or she had. So you might have caught tell. something just because you were hanging with so-and-so. Yeah, you catch a case, so to speak, just by hanging with so-and-so. Oh, you and that crew, right? Uh, we're going we're gonna to get you. And then, um, you know, back then, luckily, it was kind of like, hey, if, if we let the cat out the bag and kind of talk to everybody and let – everybody know where we were at, where they were at, um, you know, it would kind of tone it down. And uh, nowadays, I don't know. I think it's a little bit more crazy nowadays. I mean, maybe not necessarily the way the labels are run today, but if we were in the game now with the way folks think now on the outside, yeah, I think it'd be a little bit more dangerous. But you're still in entertainment security on a certain level, so you're still touching this element, aren't you? Yeah, well, fortunately, because, you know, I've been doing it so long, I'm on a level that, you know, I don't get nitty-gritty. Um, 
And uh, but yeah, you know, I'm definitely in the mix as far as what's going on. People calling me, telling me what's going on, and I get some insight on some things. There's some things that happened in the past year. You, you and I have talked about. Um, I don't want to get into it, but you know, you right. You, I've shared you information that I've been told, and because you know, I'm still people still calling me. People say, "Hey, LP, you know, did you know this?" Or, "Hey, did you know?" I want to let you know about that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's still there's still I think there'll be craziness in the entertainment business forever because you know there's there's cats that don't think they got their their due, and they're going to always want to try to get it one way or the other. Well, before I let you go, I, I think I have an obligation to ask you and also highlight once again how you're doing such marvelous work with American Legion Post 43. <laughs> well, what, thank you. What's going on right now? Do you have any events coming up? Well, you know what? Um, you just got to look at the website. I really don't know anything that's um, perfect to come up right away. And tonight, I think we have karaoke nights. So hey! I'm down the post <laughs> uh, but, you know, the American Legion is the family that I didn't know I had. And, um, you know, it's a bunch of veterans that we get together and we kind of like watch each other six. And, you know, you'll just be sitting at home one day and one of the guys from the Legion will call you say, hey, LP, how you doing? And that's the type of stuff that, you know, veterans, uh, you know, we need that type of support. No matter how successful or unsuccessful you are, it's always good to hear from a fellow veteran that can relate to what you've gone through and what you've experienced and what you've done. I remember I met your son before he enlisted. How's he doing? <laughs> He's actually did five years uh, in the Marine Corps, and uh, he's out. And um, I, he's got a real fat job. He's going to start next month. I don't want to jinx him until he <laughs> starts. But he already got the, the welcome letter and all, and he's really, you know, he's he's blowing smoke out his pant legs, so to speak. Well, my brother, my friend, <laughs> I miss you. I love you. Uh, I, you know, I we need you to too, bro. look. I haven't been in your physical presence in a while. Um, you got to come up to KFI again and come see me. We need to just get a bite to eat or something and, and reminisce sure, and tell sure. the stories that we can't tell on the radio. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure there's an angle we can take and tell some good stuff though. <laughs> I'll be in touch nonetheless, my friend. All right. Well, we talk all the time, Tech, so I, I got you. Yeah, we'll talk soon. All right, bet. This is the John and Ken Show. Mo Kelly here. KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with my friend, LP Larry Pitkin friend of some 30 years, worked together in the music industry. So many great stories. And someone told me long ago, as we get older, the only thing that we can truly claim as our own are our stories. No one else can tell them. No one else can really have them. They are our own. And so I appreciate LP and some of the shared stories that we have, and we could share some of them with you. But we're going to move on now. Producer Dana, can you hear me? I know I can't see you. Yes, I can. I'm I here. need I need you to close your computer, your laptop. Eric, you can see her. Make sure that she doesn't cheat. Okay. <laughs> it's closed. Okay. I'm curious. We're different generations. And you are probably the newest person in this crew when it comes to radio. And I want to know how much you know about this industry in which you work. And also, since you are a veteran, putting that business out there, you probably are pretty good with abbreviations and certain lingo. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Without Googling, do you know the following? And I want to put your mind in a, in a specific place, radio and TV. AM and FM. What does AM and FM stand for? <laughs> it's KFI AM 640. Jeez. Um, 
let's see, amplified. Uh, Don't look at me. <laughs> you, okay, Eric, you got to get a buzzer for her or something. <laughs> you give up? Uh, you know, I I saw this before. I just. I, it's not popping up right now. Okay, I don't... Yeah. I don't expect the average individual who's around 30 years old or, or, or younger than 30 to know this because when you say AM 640, you may not know to what that means, but AM is amplitude modulation. And if you go to the FM band, do you know what that might mean? No. Frequency modulation. So working in radio, you should know that. And that's how sound is processed and radio signals processed, but you can look that up. But I'm going to bring it now to your generation. If I said GSM, would you know what that stands for? GSM? Mm-hmm. No. Global. Global System for Mobile Communications. So let's now combine it. We're going to have radio and Wi-Fi and satellite TV. Do you know what PM stands for within that context? Jeez. In signals. Come on, Mo. Um, you got to know these things working in radio. Or not, but I think you should know them. It's phase modulation. That's for Wi-Fi, GSM, and satellite television. You're working in entertainment. So you got to know AM is amplitude modulation. FM is frequency modulation. GSM is global system for mobile communications. And PM is phase modulation. Okay, let's go to, um, if I said KFI AM640, you understand those are call letters, right? KFI. Right. Okay. If I said W-H-U-R, those are call letters, right? Yes. Why do some stations have K and why do some stations have W? Or is it just no rhyme or reason? Eric, I think you know. I do. Okay. I know Brian Bruman knows. I'm not going to ask him. He would be fired if he didn't know. Dana, any guess? <clears throat> she is hating my ass right about now. <laughs> Can I phone a friend? Yeah. Who are you going to phone? Eric? Yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. The K is for west of the Mississippi, and the W is for east of the Mississippi. That is correct. That's why we have K over here and, and W over there. Make sense, Dana? Totally. Okay. Let's go to time of day. And I don't know if Eric may know this. This is a little more obscure. If I said a.m., and PM, as in like 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., what does the AM stand for and what does the PM stand for? I got nothing. Brian is over there Googling, I can tell. I can watch his eyes going back and forth. He's reading. AM is, uh, I, can, I can hear him like typing. The whole thing is called not Googling, Brian. I know. Come on, man. <laughs> no, nothing? Nobody? Oh, um, Anti-meridian and post-meridian. That's correct. Did you hear that, Dana? I did. Okay. I knew that one. But do you know what it means? Meridian's like noon, midday. Ante, as in before, PM, post, as in after. I thought you were talking about the prime meridian there. No. Meridium. Oh, see, completely different word, though. Yeah. Meridium. I-E-M, if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay, here's another. 
Now, you better get this one, Dana. You better get it. Time of day, PST as opposed to PDT. 6 a.m. PST as opposed to 6 a.m. PDT. What does the PST and PDT stand for? So PST, Pacific Pacific Standard Time, right? Correct. And then PDT? Mm-hmm. I've seen that before. I hope so. Um, if it's not standard time, then what must it be? Daylight? Yes! Oh, yes! There you go. Okay. Too cool. bad we don't have a prize to give you. Okay, <laughs> last one. Last one. This should be relatively simple, and you are a learned individual, so this should not be difficult. I'm setting you up for failure. Oh. Time in history. B.C. versus A.D. What, okay. does, what does B.C. stand Before for? Before Christ. Uh, you know, we are getting close to Christmas. You better know that. Uh-huh. A.D. After death? No! No? What? It's, it's actually Latin. Oh. No guess? Mm-mm. Eric, you want to? No, I'm staying out of this one. Okay, Brian? Domine is the D, right? It's Ado Domine. There we go. Yeah, in the time of our Lord, in the year of our Lord. Ah, so yeah. where did I hear after death from? That's Someone who didn't know and they just made it up because a lot of people say that and it's not that oh. because it's not like 33 years later. You know, Christ was allegedly 33 years old. You know, but no, mm-hmm. no, no. It's Ado Domini. So there you go. So you, hopefully you learned something today, Dana, working in um, in radio. All that stuff you should know. You should know. Yeah. Especially working in radio news. She is so disgusted with me right now. I can hear it in her voice. I can't even see her face. She is rolling her eyes so loud. I yeah. hear it just squeaking against her eyelids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that didn't work out. KFI AM 640, we're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I was having some fun with Dana, but I'm a big proponent, especially as people are young or newer in their careers, that they learn something more than just the job that they have. Some jobs are really important. Some jobs are less important to the overall growth of someone. But I do think each stop serves a purpose, hopefully, and pushes you on to the next stop. But we've all had some really bad jobs along the way. I think if you're lucky enough to be able to say, oh, I never had one uh, one bad job, then you're, I think, in the minority. And I think that you are special in that regard. Because I know I've had some real shitey jobs horrible jobs over the years. Now, I'm just going to go around the room real quick. I'll start with mine. And I can't even say it was a job because back when, going back to the music industry, my first internship, this was back when they didn't have to give you anything. Today for an internship, you're supposed to get at least college credit or they pay you. There has to be something in exchange. Again, this was the wild, wild west back then. And they didn't have to give you anything other than the privilege of being able to say that you worked at such and such a place for your internship. My internship was at Capitol Records, and it was during my senior year of college. It was a portion in Los Angeles slash Hollywood. And then when I went back to school for my senior year, it continued out of their regional office in Maryland. I was working for a guy by the name of Woody Johnson, and I would go into the office maybe once or twice a week. And he would have me do all sorts of menial tasks because that's what an intern does. The worst of it for me, for me, and I think this was the only time I felt um, used 
and embarrassed. There was a record release party for an artist by the name of Freddie Jackson, an R&B singer. And he was making an appearance at a, like a, some sort of, it was a record store called Waxy Maxis out there. And he had me dress up in a tuxedo, head to toe. And then I had to go around for the whole party because they were just industry executives and what have you and fans and people who are in the record store. And I had to serve them hors d'oeuvres, like my name was Otis or something. And I remember that was the worst I ever felt in my life because I felt like an absolute clown. The reason I, I tried to make the best of it in this sense, I made use of the time in getting to know the record executives who were there to make contacts for myself professionally. But to this day, more than 30 years ago, it still had to be the worst night of my life. Just the abject ridicule. It doesn't sound that bad just saying you're in a tuxedo serving food, but it was when they were making fun of you in the room. It's like he made you dress up in a tuxedo for a record store for a release party. That's pretty bad. And then you realize they're mocking you. So that's what it was for me. Eric, do you have an idea of the worst job or moment of a job that you've had? Probably the worst job that I ever had was working at a kid's like trampoline park. It was, I mean, I was a senior in high school, so, and we were just expected to do everything, including clean the bathrooms, clean everything. So, I mean, and there were accidents not happening in the bathroom as well. So it was uh, quite the experience as one of my first jobs ever. Yeah, that's humbling. I remember I worked at Aladdin's Castle, which was a, an arcade at Delamo Mall. Now, working at a, at a video game arcade is cool in and of itself, you know, as far as jobs for an 18-year-old may go. But like you, we had to clean the bathrooms. Yeah. And that is very humbling. Yeah, that was the last job that I ever took where I was having to be the one that had to clean the bathrooms. Yeah, I made a, a, a vow after my, you know, internship experience and also working at Aladdin's Castle that I would never work in food service and I would never work in housekeeping, ever. See, working in food service to me, I think, was one of my favorite experiences. Now, albeit, obviously, you have to deal with the customer service aspect and not everybody is a great person or a good tipper, if we're going to be blunt here, um, but... It's something that I think everybody should have to be, like, required to do mm. because it teaches you so many valuable skills of just how to deal with any type of person because you, you experience the wide array of human being that walks into a restaurant for yeah. any given reason. I worked as a marketing assistant and ticket manager for the Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra. And for the night of shows, which was either at Royce Hall at UCLA, the Ambassador Auditorium in Pasadena, or the Japan America Theater downtown for their performances, I was the front-facing portion of the company helping people with their tickets. And these are, for the most part, very wealthy people. And they were some of the biggest a-holes ever. And I was forced... You know my personality. I really had to dial it down 
dealing with these obviously arrogant a-holes about where are my tickets or why am I sitting here and not there? Are you sure you know what you're doing type? And I, I remember, I remember my boss, George Sebastian, friends with him to this day. He was standing next to me in the booth and this guy, I can see his face as clearly as this day. And he asked for me to look for some tickets that allegedly were set aside for him. And I looked, they weren't there. And I said, sir, I'm sorry, there are no tickets here left for you. And he said, damn it, look again. Are you sure you're looking in the right place? Saying it just like that. And you know how time stops in your mind? Oh, yes. And you're thinking like, if I hit this motherfucker in his nose, do I go to jail or not? Or will I just get fired? You start having this negotiation with yourself where you're, you've already justified losing your job. You just don't want to go to jail at that point. And I remember he grabbed my arm. And pulled me back. And he wasn't embarrassing me, but he was saving me from myself. Oh, yeah, I'm and sure. And he said, sir, let, let me look. Let me just put another set of eyes on this. And he knew that it wasn't there. But he wanted to set this guy straight and said, no, it's not our imagination. Nobody left anything for you. Have a nice night. I, it's, I'm not going to name names, but working in... Now this business, yes, and yes. Work, working in promotions and, and events, and still being able to to work all of the big iHeart concerts and stuff, there have been plenty of moments when dealing with certain people's teams and managers, publicists, and they think they are the talent. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of egos in entertainment, and it's really hard. That's why I don't. And God bless anyone who who is has the opportunity to work in entertainment. And I've worked with some wonderful people and I love what I do. And if anyone who knows me knows that I'm the same dude I was 30 years ago when I was broke and I couldn't rub two nickels together and I was going through foreclosure. I don't take myself seriously. I just take what I do seriously. I don't take myself seriously because I've been on the other side far too many times. And I will never mistreat anyone because I remember being that guy in the ticket booth. You know, I will never forget. It's it's also one of the reasons why I think for a lot of people trying to get into this business, starting in the promotions and the street team is a great place to start because you get that experience. Absolutely. And you learn to deal with those types of people. Absolutely. And I think those experiences not only help you professionally, but they help you grow as a person. For sure. Hopefully. For sure. Brian Bruman, I know you got a news break you have to prepare for, but very quickly, does a job come to mind as the worst of all or the most horrible experience? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was a mechanic for 14 years. As an auto mechanic? Yeah. And it's funny you talk about you learn skills. That job turned me into a man. I can fix anything. It it. As a person, it made me grow, but I was miserable for about seven of those years. Wait a minute. How do you go from auto mechanic to newsroom? Please tell me that. To escape to escape the no, shop. No, I get that. But I'm saying that doesn't seem like a linear progression. Well, actually, I listened to podcasts for eight hours a day while I was fixing cars. So it made me want to get into this. What type of cars were you working on mainly? BMWs. Oh, excuse the hell out of me. <laughs> I was an auto mechanic for BMWs. I was a master. <laughs> is it true what they say that the like the oil changes are ridiculously priced yeah but they also you only have to get them once a year although as a mechanic let me tell you you can go for most yourself, of the year right? on any car uh -huh. these days with a modern engine wow. don't be fooled with that you know every three months crap that was that's old school i learned something new that i did not know that brian Bruman was an auto mechanic 
Wow. This just changed the whole 5 o'clock sure hour, did didn't it? it? <laughs> didn't it? It changed everything. We're going to come back with that. This is the John and Ken Show. KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.